Welcome to Boob Talk with your host, Cynthia Rogers. It's time to get it off our chest as we discuss the issues breast cancer and other cancer survivors face. Come along on our journey. We are survivors. Good evening. Welcome to Boob Talk, and I'm your host, Cynthia Rogers. Tonight we have a special show, a Survivor Spotlight with special guest Andrea Lombardi, a breast cancer survivor, my fellow pink sister, and she's going to share her cancer journey with us this evening. Andrea, welcome to Boob Talk. Hi, good evening, Cynthia. Thank you for letting me join the show. I really appreciate it. We are so glad to have you here. And thank you for taking the time out to be with us to share your journey. I know uh, sometimes for cancer survivors, it's hard to share their story, but I just want to first thank you for coming on to share a little bit of your journey and testimony with us. So to get things started, when were you first diagnosed with breast cancer? Uh, May 12, 2017. So this was my anniversary week. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. So what what kind of of emotions, you know? Yeah, I I, I know exactly how you're feeling. So do you want to just start off by telling us how do you feel after three years now celebrating this anniversary? Um, I I feel stronger. I feel hopeful. Um, I still have fear, you know. I think that's normal. To, to worry about uh, certain things and whether or not it will come back or will it remain status quo, as I like to say. Um, I, th- this week's been a little bit challenging. I didn't think it would have hit me as hard as it did, but it did. Um, it brings back a lot of raw feelings of when I was first diagnosed and all the emotions come back and, and, and the memories come back of what the journey was like um, over the past, you know, the whole, I mean, the journey took me, I would say a total of 11 months, you know, and some people like to call it a speed bump in their life. And I, I guess I could look at it that way, but it was, it was a long journey, um, a hard one, uh, but I wouldn't change it at all. So like do you want to, uh, better. well, I'm glad, glad to hear that. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you are still here with us to be able to tell your story. Did you want to uh, briefly just tell us how you, did you initially find out you had breast cancer? Yeah, I was on a routine mammogram. Um, I would say that I was pretty consistent, you know, going every 12 months. And at that particular year, I was a couple of months late and I went in on a, on a Monday, I think it was, and they quickly called me back in for additional retake three days later, and I didn't think anything of it. I have small breasts. I have, you know, I, I sometimes I really don't get good imaging every year, and so it was kind of routine for me to be called back, and I just, and I tried a new cancer um, center to take my uh, mammogram in, and I just thought, well, maybe the technology is different. Uh, take a deep breath, everything's going to be fine. And um, they call me back in on a Friday, 
and I took the pictures. I waited in the area, and then I immediately met with uh, the radiologist who then um, scheduled me for a biopsy uh, within, I think it was within the week of the time the, they took the retake. And then they called me back after the biopsy to let me know that I had um, the DCIS. And for some of our listeners who don't know, what, what is that? Ductal carcinoma, uh, ductal in the lobe and in the, um, you know, I don't, it, it was in, it was in my right breast, um, in my ducts. Um, it was a grade two uh, tumor, which I think the size of it, I looked it up last night. I was trying to get more information, but the, the size of it, I think was eight millimeters or something. I think it was, um, they caught, they scored it as a two. Um, but it was aggressive. And so um, oh. I'm estrogen positive, but I'm a HERS2 negative type of cancer. So can I ask, how old were you when you were diagnosed? 47. 47. Was there any history of breast cancer in your family? Yes, I had a uh, maternal aunt who passed away at the age of 31. So did you ever think that there would be a possibility that you could even get breast cancer? Yeah, I think I kind of, it was always in the back of my mind, I think. I think I went through life thinking, I, I, I think I thought a lot growing up because I was a lot like my aunt. Uh, I acted a lot like my aunt. I looked like my aunt, you know, and I kept, you know, that the fear was there, I think, growing up all my life because I, she was a big part of my life. And losing her was just devastating. I think I was 13 going on 14. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. And I really feel like, you know, if if what we have now was available to my aunt in 1983, I think she obviously would have survived. I think, you right. know, I, she is a pioneer for me, really. She set the groundwork for people like myself and other women to to survive or be able to survive. So how old were you when you started getting your mammograms? It's funny. The doctors wouldn't, despite the fact that I had it in my history, I had to wait till I think I was pregnant with my first child. I was 28 and I insisted, like I was adamant about asking the doctor to do it. I just needed to have a baseline and, and then, back then, I think they just did ultrasounds. I don't remember ever getting a mammogram until I was uh, in my 40s. Really? Even still 30s. with the history? Yeah. Might have been late yeah, 30s. I'm still, I just, yeah. I find that I'm fascinating. I'm still hearing that today, that still, even with my sister, because my mother had breast cancer twice, and her doctors were giving her a hard time. I, I've had breast cancer, and so my sister, of course could say, look, my mom and my sister both have breast cancer, and they were still giving my sister a hard time about having a mammogram. I just still don't understand what the reluctance is. It just baffles me. Yeah. I still think yeah. it's insurance company. Insurance, but, yeah, um, that's true, too. I'm so sorry to hear about your mother. I just saw it on Facebook. I am, I'm so sorry to hear oh, about that. Thank you. Thank you. And as you were saying about your aunt being a pioneer for you, my mom was a pioneer for me because because of watching her journey, 
you know, I was able to get through my journey as well. So, you know, I, I would just like to acknowledge your aunt. And what was your aunt's name? Josephine. Josephine. Actually, that's my, was my mother's mother's name, Josephine. Really? So I would like to acknowledge Josephine and Hazel tonight for showing us how to be courageous women and get through this breast cancer journey. So when you initially found out, you know, that you were diagnosed with breast cancer, what were you feeling? What was going through your mind? I think, you know, I was looking for adjectives, and I kept I kept coming up with, like, the same three, like, overwhelmed, confused, fearful. And and it's like they, you say the word cancer, and you almost feel like it's a death sentence immediately. And, and, and there was – but yet I still had hope. Like, it was just a weird um, mixed bag of feelings. And I feel like when the doctor called, I was at work, you know, asked me if I was sitting down, and then I just knew it was bad news. And – um, told me the news, immediately gives you uh, an enormous amount of information that you try to process why they're telling you you have cancer. It, it, it was like, right. you have breast cancer. Oh, and by the way, you need to be here Friday for a four-hour Exactly. Oncologist, radiologist, you know, uh, and so surgeon. It's like kind of like, you, they, like they're desensitized to it, and you're just still sitting there trying to process the information like you're still in shock and like, wait a minute, you know, what are you saying? You know, like you just need a moment to process everything. And it's like, you know, everything just happens as soon as you get diagnosed so quickly, you know, that you're just left like, you know, feeling overwhelmed, like you said. Exactly. And I feel like, and it was one thing that I did, and I would say that I would recommend to any woman is to always go to a doctor's appointment with multiple people, not not just yourself. Like take a take your posse is what I call it. Because I showed up to my first appointment with my sister and my mom, one of my dear friends uh, that I've known all my life. And she was the note taker. My mom, you know, I would say she listened halfway, right? Because she had so many fears going on about losing her sister and then, oh my God, her daughter. Right, my right. sister's probably sitting in the meeting thinking the same thing. Am I going to have it? Is it genes related? You know, have a note taker. Have someone that could be rational, not so much emotional with you to take the notes. Because I can tell you, I just, I went back to a notebook that she just took notes and I was looking at it last night. It's just, it's phenomenal what she did for me um, by being that diary, that diary taker for every appointment that we went to. And you're not listening, like you're listening, but you're processing and then you're trying to, like, oh, wait a minute, they just say chemo. Oh, wait a minute, they just say radiation. Then your mind goes off on another wandering, you know, path before you can even focus and deal with what you need to focus right then and there in that doctor's appointment. And so it was very helpful to have somebody take notes for me and then go back to those notes either after the appointment, a week later, a day later, whenever I felt like I was strong enough to read what I needed to see, what my path was going to be, um, I highly recommend it. to any woman and, and man for that matter who has breast cancer, but um, it was a godsend to have her. There. That is great advice because I think a lot of times, you know, when you're in that situation, you're not even thinking about what you may need. And that is great advice, you know, to have, like you said, you know, a posse, a group of, of people that, you know, will be, will be there to support you and just be your eyes and ears because, 
you know, to be honest, you really aren't thinking rationally. You like I, you know, no. like you were saying, you're still overwhelmed. You know, you're in shock. You're afraid, and you know, just cer- certain things just might not be processing. So it is good, like you said, just to have a support system, you know, there with you that can gather the information. So when it to your treatment, how how much time was in between your diagnosis and the start of your treatment and actually what treatment did you have to have? So on, on so from the biopsy which was five ten, um, they immediately scheduled to see the group of doctors, right? The four hour uh, appointment. And I immediately met with my surgeon. Um, they bring you in for the four hours and they come up with a plan. And how it went was uh, lumpectomy first. Let's see if we can go in, get as much as the mass or tumor we can get out, see if we can get some clear margins. We'll do a sentinel node, uh, take out the, the active uh, lymph nodes that light up, and I think the color was blue. Uh, we'll remove your lymph nodes. We'll test those, and then we'll see what the next course of action is. Well, I never got a clear margin. Uh, I never got a clear margin with the first lumpectomy, and six nodes, lymph nodes came out, and 50% were hot and 50% were not, oh, or 50-50. So immediately started the whole process of, okay, what's next? Chemotherapy. Uh, and the surgeon said we could go back in, we can try again to get the, the, the rest of the tumor out, but we really suggest because of the, you know, the pathology of the, uh, of the biopsy, they said it was best that you start your chemotherapy immediately. After you heal for a few weeks, we want you to start your chemo. So um, the process ended up being 20 weeks of chemo. Um, then it was make your decision on surgery, whether you want to do another link, like take one breast off or have a double mastectomy. And to be honest, I, I was, that appointment probably threw me for a loop, but I, I went with a double mastectomy and I can go, I could tell you why I chose that or why I didn't choose just one. Um, yes. I was just going I, to ask you, how did you come to, you know, that decision? It was a very hard decision um, for me, you know, at the time I, I thought I could get, I, you know, I think it what it boiled down to is that I didn't want to worry about the other breast. I didn't want to worry okay. about the left side. I felt I felt it was really important to, to remove both so that I wouldn't have to worry as much. Not to say that I don't worry, because I do, but to worry less. Um, the percentage was, I think, a 5% difference, the way the doctor presented it to me. And that number of five seemed high enough for me to say, take them both. Um, it was difficult. I have a lot of sensation in my breast, and I don't have any now. Um, you know, it, it, that meant a lot to me that I had to make that decision that I would lose sensation in my breast. But um, I would find other ways. That's how I looked at it. And for me, it was a peace of mind. I, I talked to other women who chose, you know, one over the other, and I hear both sides. I'm fine. Everything's fine. It hasn't. It didn't travel. And I've had other women say to me, "I wish I did." So I, I did a lot of discernment, a lot of praying, a lot of. Um, I had a dear friend who actually 
dragged me into a bathroom a couple of weeks before my surgery because I was petrified because I had no idea what it would look like. I had no idea what my breast would look like after the reconstructive surgery. And I was lucky and blessed that I was able to do a nipple sparing um, reconstructive surgery all in one in the same surgeon, in the same surgery in the same day, which I was blessed. Um, I had a, a dear friend who went through it and took me in the bathroom and lifted her shirt up to show me this is what it's going to look like. And then I just had a sigh of relief. Like, oh, thank God. Like, okay. I will tell you, if any woman wants to, like, it's personal, right? It's part of your body. They sometimes don't feel like they're mine. Sometimes they don't feel like it's me. But I would do that for anyone that was that afraid to know what it looked like, to know what it would be like, to look. Because th- I think we all have this perception of being mutilated or ha- coming out with numbers of scars on our body. And yes, there's scars. And now I wear it as a badge of honor, but um, I was petrified. I didn't know what it was going to be like. Like she couldn't, she wouldn't show me a picture of what it might look like because of course everyone's body's different. And right. so I had all these thoughts of, I'm going to look like a monster. I'm going to look, you know, lopsided I'm going to look full of scars and and to be honest I had and a wonderful surgeon here in Boston and um which I'm lucky because Mass General is one of the best hospitals to have in my right in my reach my back door honestly but I needed that I needed to see someone else who went through it to make me feel comfortable that my decision was right I'm going to be okay and this is going to be you know who I am, it was, I don't know, that was a lot. <laughs> I didn't realize so, what uh, I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fine because I know for myself, sometimes once you just start talking, it kind of just brings everything thing back, you know, and you, yeah. you know, realized what exactly you've gone through. And um, actually during our, our show, um, a couple of our previous shows, we've had various um, wellness coaches and counselors on, and I was told that actually having breast cancer is as if we were in battle and that, you know, it is like having post-traumatic uh, syndrome. And so mm-hmm. I never thought of it like that, but, yeah, you know, I was told that So yeah, because it is just so a traumatic experience and it is so emotional and we don't realize it when we're going through it at the time. So. Right, because you just you you put your blinders on and you go. Because right, it's like I got to survive. Let me do what I got to do, you know, so I can just survive this. But exactly. you know, it is a it is a trauma. So I wanted to ask you now: at any point during this uh, process, did you ever uh, get a second opinion? Because I know a lot of of women that are diagnosed, you know, they wonder: should I just get a second opinion? Um, I didn't. I would say that I, um, I don't know if I didn't. I, I would say I got a second opinion with my surgery with the lump. Like I, one surgeon, during the lung, um, lumpectomy, I, my surgeon retired in the middle of it all. And oh, no. So I had to go find another surgeon. What's good, great news is that, you know, she was right there and I, I, I found these two, oh, my God, beautiful women, when I think about it at Mass General, you know, plastic surgery and oncology surgery all in one practice. It was just amazing. And 
um, I did I did ask because I, I I would say that I asked other people's opinion because other people were going I had another friend who was going through it at the same time and I I have to say I really trusted my team and so it never really I never really thought to ask like to go to Dana Farber or to go to you know Brigham Women's to get a second opinion I felt very comfortable and I just felt uh, I just felt like I was in the right hands. And yeah, I don't know if that really helps good. anybody, but I feel like if you second guess yourself, then yes, I would go get a second opinion. If you don't like your surgeon and you find her to be, you know, you, you can't relate to her in some way. I had, my surgeons were hugging me. My doctors were giving me, you know, pats on the shoulders and holding my hands. Like I felt like I had the right team because I knew I was being That's really important. care of. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is very important. That you feel that you have that support that from people, you know, that really actually care that you're just not another number. And I think that is exactly. so important, you know, with, with care. So I wanted to also ask you, um, did you suffer any side effects or anything going through uh, your treatment or, you know, your journey or even to this day? I know a lot of um, survivors, you know, may have been going through like bone pain, there's a chemo brain, you know, any Ugh. other side effects that you went through or that you still may be going through right now. Yeah, I, I did. I, I think I, every single one you said, um, I think there's 2% of women that get bone pain. I ended up with a bone pain. Um, I said the chemo, I did the um, cytoxin with the adriamycin was my first four rounds. That's the red devil. Um, that they talk about that one, I would say to you that, you know, I actually, I fared okay. I was nauseous a lot. Um, and then I had the Paxil, a Taxol for the 12 weeks. So 20 weeks total, um, I had bone pain, I lots of nausea, but controllable, never vomited or anything like that, but everything was under control with the prednisone and the, and the nausea medicine. Um, I had neuropathy in my, mostly in my hands and feet. I would say so my feet more than my hands. I, I lost yeah, my balance every morning I woke up. Mm, yeah, Once I me started too. moving, things felt better. Um, I had lots of headaches because it forced me into menopause. And so I had a yeah. headache almost every day um, during chemo. And you know, lost your hair, you know, that, 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 but the other side effects, I'd say that now I still get a little bit of the bone pain. The more I exercise, the better I am, the medicine that I am on because of estrogen, you know, for the um, hormone blocker, uh, it, you still have the bone pain, right? It, it, yeah. It, yeah. It's part of the treatment 10 years. Um, but the menopause, yeah. I would say, was probably really difficult for me. I didn't realize how fast I would be pushed into menopause. Um, I felt like I was on the brink anyway at 47. Like I knew I was getting symptoms and I knew I was leaning, I was heading down that path, but I didn't, I just didn't realize how fast it puts you in. You know, I think I got my period, my first treatment, and then it was gone. Yeah, same, same with me. I was, uh, you know, diagnosed uh, four years ago. I'm 50 now, so I was you know, around the same age, and all of a sudden, bam, you're thrown into this hot flashes, and, you know, which I still suffer from, uh, you know, the the insomnia was terrible, like the 
I'd say that my first, you know, couple of years, but now it's not as bad and, you know, the sweats and, you know, you just don't feel yourself. So how do you feel like, did that just, you know, become your new normal and you just like, you know what, this is what I have to deal with. You know, how did you handle that? I, well, some days I'd handle it well and some days I didn't, you know, I, I would, I'd say the, Flashes, I still get them. I don't get them as much now. I think because I, I was, I'm off tamoxifen. So when they switched me to the postmenopausal drug, much better. I had palpitations. I had to go on a heart monitor. monitor. Oh, no. I couldn't even walk across the street without oh. my heart, you know, beating extremely fast. I, 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 it was just like some weird stuff was happening to me. And um, I would say that I, insomnia was so. You said it, and I didn't realize that that was par for the course, too, because I didn't understand why I don't sleep well. Like, yeah. uh, I, I do take lorazepam here and there, um, and, I, and I do take it at night. And I feel that that um, cuts the edge off, makes me calm down at night, and I fall asleep very well. Um, I do do aromatherapy, which was supposed to be part of the show tonight, but uh, will be postponed. But I do have done that in the past to calm me down and calm the room. Um, to, the smell was very nice and calming and made me sleep very well. Um, I pray a lot, Cynthia, to be honest with you. I, I, I do too. That's I don't, like, I know journey. sometimes I may offend somebody, but I, I do, I put it at his feet. I have to turn it over as much as possible because if I don't, I, I think I would go nuts because I, I say, okay, I have my legs okay, they don't work today, but I'll be fine. You know, I'm like, it could be worse. I could be in a wheelchair. It could be worse. I could be, my mother and I always have that. We always say that to each other all the time. Like, could be worse. We could have something different. You know, we could be, you know, in a wheelchair or we could have to walk with a cane all the time or whatever it is. Um, You know, and it's not to say that those are bad things either, but it's like having these symptoms, you just learn to cope with it. You learn to say, you know what, this is part of it. It will pass. My my chemo brain finally passed. Um, it took a while. I still you know, have I'm just hard starting time to notice with that words. for myself. Yeah. You know, I still have that. And, and a lot of people don't words, think, understand. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I forget a lot. My kids get mad at me, but I'm like, oh, I know I, you know, I try my best. But chemo, chemo brain felt like an, a, a a constant um with a concussion that's how it felt yes and some, some that is a perfect description oh, a concussion there it is uh you just you're in a fog you can't see i was just going to say the same read. thing and all you want to do is read right you want to stay in right. the house you're in this crappy mood you don't feel well i want to read a book well can't do that well you know what i did i did audible that was the best thing oh okay and oh. I would read a listen to a book because if I couldn't read it, I'll listen to it. I found ways to cope. Um, and I still have bad days. I mean, I don't like the fact that I go exercise and then get myself and then I hurt and then I have to take a break and then I have to start all over again. It's very frustrating. I have to be kind to myself, which I'm not very good at. And, um, and you have, have to learn to do that. Myself, you know, you do. I'm a go getter. And I have to realize sometimes it's okay to sit in bed and enjoy a Saturday and lay in yes. bed or lay on the couch, and it's okay. 
Yes, um, I had issues with that as well. I just felt like this is not me, you know, so I would feel guilty, you know. But now I'm learning that it's okay to take time for yourself. That's also a part of the self-healing process. No, I'm not the person I was before cancer, and I'm not going to be, you know, that person again, but this is the new me, and I have to just take care of me. And you have to learn to do that as well. And then once you do that, you were like, oh, gee, I wish I had, you know, done this before. So, exactly. you know, as I would say, there's nothing wrong in at some point being selfish, you know. Correct. Somebody sent me something. It was by Sir John Lubbock, and it was, rest is not idleness. And to lie sometimes on the grass under trees on a summer day, listening to the murmur of the water or watching the clouds float across the sky is by no means a waste of time. And clip that, I put it on my wall, and I read it as often as I can because it is true. And I do yoga now. I do meditation. So do I. It's important, and it's important yes. to do it because I need to be on the mat. I need to take care of myself. And I'm, all, I'm a caretaker, right? We are as mothers, or if I'm not for sure if you're a mother, but being a mom, a full-time mom, I work full-time. I have two girls, teenagers, and, you know, in their early 20s, and I, you don't take the time. You have to take the time to take care of yourself, but it's so important. And I preach it and I struggle with it. Um, Like today I got up, I went for a walk. I felt much better. Did I do it? Did I do it two days ago? No. Did I do it Monday? Yep. But I didn't do it. You know, I didn't do it on Tuesday. (laughs) I didn't do it on Wednesday, but I did it on Thursday. So I have to forgive myself and, be kind. Someone always says that. My one of my girlfriends always be kind to yourself, and I'm like, you're right. Why am I kind to others, but I can't be to myself? And that's then you that's have a to struggle. Learn. And I think yeah. this disease has taught me. It's an eye opener. One, it taught me that my faith is bigger than my fear. It yeah. it also changed my life in ways that I see things differently. That I I wish everyone had these lenses <laughs> in this world. Because when you realize it could be taken from you so quickly, you, you, not to say that I don't sweat the small stuff every day, but, when, but I try not to. And right. I'm a much calmer person, I think, than I, I don't know. My friends will tell you if that's a true statement or not, but I'm calmer <laughs> than I was, right? I'm that's calmer than good. I, was I know during ago. my process, I was having some anger issues. And I know some of times yeah. a lot of other women may have, and I think it was because of the medication and you just, you're not feeling yourself and you just, I didn't even realize, you know, how angry I had become, you know, but now, yeah. you know, through yoga, meditation, you know, I'm finding a, a calmer uh, sense of of self. So, you know, life keeps going and, you know, as you're going through these treatments, things are happening. You know, my daughter's applying for college then, you know, which was so hard for me to keep, you know, look at paperwork and understand what I was filling out. And the poor kid, and to this day, I want to always want to cry when I think about it because what she went through, you know, alone applying to colleges because mom was, you know, sick. But I did my best and I tried and it was it was very hard to do. And, you know, I lost a relationship I was in um, through all this which was difficult. I lost some friends along the way through this disease, you know, other cancers. I lost a really dear friend 
during the middle of it, right before I started my chemo. He was my mentor. But, you know, life goes on, right? I mean, that's what that's the saying. And I have to take every day as something precious. And I have to remind myself to do that every day. I, it, it doesn't come easy. I read a daily meditation, you know, Jesus Calling book every day to, to, to keep me grounded. And I, I, I pray as much as I can. I'm part of, you know, prayer groups here and there, support groups here and there. And, and I, keep, I keep my friendship alive with my girlfriends. And because it, I, if I didn't, I don't think I could survive. It's important to have your warriors, as they say, alongside you. I created a blog when I first got cancer, and I didn't think I would ever do that. But I created a blog that was private and a certain handful of women I invited and I would share my day and every day that I had treatment and what God brought me that day and what signs I was getting from people on the other side, you know, like messages that I I know were from my father and from my, you know, relatives that have passed on and, and people that I met were just amazing along this journey. And the, and the, in the in the nurses are probably the the little angels every day in every treatment that I went through. I was blessed with some amazing nurses. I don't know. So and Andrea, I just wanted to to lastly ask you, what advice would you give to women that are recently diagnosed or for those of us that are, you know, still going through the journey and the process or you know, even those that have been, you know, cancer-free for, for many years, what advice would you give? Be afraid to, to as they say, put your brave face on because you could do it. I, I feel like, I well, here it is. You know what it is? It's my bracelet. It's just breathe. You've got this because that's my thing. That's what got me through. Just breathe. You will get through it. You got this. Um, I feel if you are a strong person of faith, pray. If you're a strong person, have lots of friends, keep in contact, don't isolate, share your fears, share what's going on. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to to be mad. It's okay to, to cry. It's okay to be vulnerable around people. Um, because I I. I don't. I think if I was, I, I you could crawl up into a little ball and you can go through this and you wouldn't survive. You have to be stronger and your faith needs to be bigger than your fear. What's that old saying? You got to dance through the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 whatever that foundation is, whether it's whether it's God, whether it's Buddha, whether it's higher power, your divine, whether it's Mother Earth, Virgin Mary, whatever it is. Keep the faith. Um, and, and I got some really good wisdom this week is to write it down. And once you write it down, you cut it in half and you share, you, you get out what's been stuck. And I realized for the last three years, I've kept it inside and I need to write it. I need to get it out. I need to put it down. All those sad moments, all those scary nights, uh, all those, you know, anger, why me, why me, you know, why not me? I, I don't, I don't know. 
but I do know that. Well, I can tell. I can just tell, Andrea, that you're here to help others, and you've inspired me. And I'm sure Thank you. you've I, inspired all of our other listeners out there. That's why you're here. I hope so, because I I I wanted I want to give back. I do. I I don't want to be afraid anymore, and I want to be able to share that with others because you shouldn't be alone. Never, no one should be alone through this. No one. Well, Andrea, I just want to thank you for coming on our show tonight for telling us uh, your your story. It was raw, real, for being vulnerable to discuss this because a lot of times I know a lot of women, they're afraid to talk about the things that they've they've been through. So I just want to, again, commend you for coming on the show, for having the courage to share with us your journey. And hopefully you'll be back on the show sometime in the future. I would love to have you back on. I would love to be on it. Thank you for the venue. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Andrea. You have a good night. Have a good night. God bless you too. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. You have been listening to our special Survivor Spotlight with breast cancer survivor Andrea Lombardi sharing her breast cancer journey. And we will be right back after these brief messages. I am Voice Talent Paula G, and I would love to be a resource for you. Whether it's an intro, an outro, a commercial, PSA, tag, or more, consider Paula G the next time you have an audition or voiceover need. Email paula at paulagvoice.com. And remember, it's the voice that counts. Looking for a cafe with a home-like appeal where all who enter feel like they are part of something? Visit My Coffee Shop, located in East Lake, Atlanta, Georgia. MCS has a full breakfast and lunch menu, offering both hot and cold options, and is home of the amazing basil lemonade. But don't forget their assortment of freshly brewed coffees. Come on by at 2462 Memorial Drive, Atlanta, Georgia, 30317. We're pretty sure My Coffee Shop at East Lake will become your coffee shop, too. Do you have tax issues, owe back taxes, or need tax relief? Contact L&B Tax Service today. L&B offers you over 15 years of expertise and first-class tax service for individuals, professionals, and business owners. With nationwide service, you can easily find a location near you. Contact one of our tax professionals through our website, lbtaxservice.com. That's www.lbtaxservice.com. L&B Tax Service Incorporated. Tax professionals that you can trust. SRN Survival Radio Network. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. 
Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
I'll pick my battles cause I know I'm gonna win the war I'm not rattled cause I shattered all of this before Daddier than steel cause I'm ready with my shield and sword Back on the saddle cause I gathered all my strength for more And I won't bow, I won't break No, I'm not afraid to do whatever it takes I'll never bow, I'll never break Cause I'm a warrior I fight for my life like a show this evening we had a special survivor spotlight with breast cancer survivor Andrea Lombardi she was sharing with us her breast cancer journey the things that she went through and things that she's still going through and she wanted us to know that 
you're not alone. We are all in this together. And that's true. We are all in this together. We are here to encourage, uplift, and empower each other through our journey. No matter how old we are, no matter what age, well, I guess it is how old you are, but (laughs) no matter your age, your ethnicity, wherever you are in life, what your occupation is, we are all pink sisters. We are all in this together, and we will get through this together, no matter what stage of your journey you are in. You are survivors, and we will be right back after this brief break. You are listening to Boob Talk on Survival Radio Network. a content creator, social media socialite, influencer, or simply love to record current events, you need the joystick. The joystick is an essential tool for every type of digital content creator. It holds two or more mobile phones or tablets, allowing users to stream and record hands-free on multiple apps simultaneously. And it's lightweight and portable. For more information or to purchase your joystick today, visit our website at www.joistik.com. Have you been recently discharged from your employer through no fault of your own? Or maybe you quit your job for good cause. If so, then you may be entitled to unemployment benefits. If you have been denied unemployment benefits, we can help. Give us a call today. As a prior administrative law judge, I am confident that I can assist you in collecting the unemployment benefits you rightfully deserve. Free initial consultation. Be sure to call Unemployment Appeal Consultants today at 850-228-3556. Proudly serving the Georgia, Florida, and Alabama areas. You may have heard the phrase, deals are done on the golf course, but do you know how that happens? The book Nine Holes, Nine Goals will provide hole-by-hole guidance on what to do and mistakes to avoid during a round of business golf. Pre-order your copy today at NineHoles9Goals.com because closing deals on the golf course is no longer just a phrase. You can do it too. SRN Survival Radio Network.
courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry Good right here. Encourage somebody right now. Somebody going through something. Let's tell them. Let's go. I was too afraid to believe it. Or not good enough to receive it. That's it. Come on. My season's gone, so why do I need it? This is. It was the story of my life. Yeah. Told so much that I wasn't worthy. Come on. I even tried to find the love hurting. I shouted, but the God never heard me. Ooh. I became the victim of my life. I like this part right here. Uh, 
with your host, Cynthia Rogers. Remember, never give up hope.